of the green beige podcast your late night sporting fix <sighs> the green beige podcast is back and today we have a mixed bag a potpourri as it were of sporting topics touching on the soccer or football world as it's commonly referred to everywhere you know but here the nba and the nfl so aj before we get going how's it going my brother Okay, I am not hearing you. I'm sorry. I I had that I had that muted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'm just I was just saying I'm I'm well I'm well just taking life in stride, taking things as it comes, you know. Okay, well that is always a good approach to have. You know, you don't get too far ahead of what's going on. You don't get too high. You don't get too low. You stay even. Stay even keel. That's all. Even keel. Correct. Now, today was NFL Cutdown Day, and that is where we are going to go off the rip. Now, I know for those of us here in the U.S., we know all about what that's about, but for those of you who are not so familiar with what NFL Cutdown Day is, this is where the NFL teams had to get their rosters down to 53 players as of 4 p.m. Eastern today. No training camps. They started with 90 players, and today is the third and final chopping day of the season, with trims coming on August 16th, when they had to get down to 85 players, and August 23rd, where they were down to 80. The news of the day started out with the big trade between my Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles, where CJ... Gardner Johnson, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and our 2025 seventh round pick were traded for the 2023 fifth round pick and the worst of the Eagles' sixth round picks in 2024, as per Adam Schefter. This came after there was no favorable responses coming from Gardner Johnson's camp on an extension, and rather than lose him for free next offseason, the Saints decided to pull the trigger and move him on now. Other notable names that were moved or cut today were O.J. Howard, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had signed with the Buffalo Bills just this offseason, Tavon Austin, who was formerly of the Rams and the Cowboys, as well as punter Matt Ariza, who is currently facing allegations that he was involved in the gang rape of a girl during his last year of college. Sony Michelle and Mohamed Sanu, names that you should also recognize, they were um, cut from the Dolphins. Tevin Coleman, who was part of that backfield um, committee last season, as well as Michael Pirine from the Jets. Corey Clement, formerly of the Eagles, was let go from the Ravens. Josh Rosen, Mr. I'm going to make them pay, um, was released by the Browns. Marlon Mack, formerly of the of the Indianapolis Colts, he was released by the Texans. Phil Lindsay, Tyson Williams, and Kiki Kuti were cut by the Colts. 
Laquan Treadwell was cut by the Jaguars. Sam Martin, the punter, he was cut by the Broncos after refusing to take a pay cut. Josh Gordon got cut by the Chiefs. Alex Leatherwood, Kenyon Drake, and Demarcus Robinson got cut by the Raiders. And the list goes on and on and on. The Patriots, however, they had their own notable names that got cut today. Malcolm Butler, who intercepted Russell Wilson in the 2015 Super Bowl, as well as Titans, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. Now, AJ, tell me, tell me about your Patriots. Any, any surprise names? Uh, surprise, no. But at this point, I've, I've given up trying to figure out what exactly happens with the roster. I did post... I did post in the group today, as you recall, in one of our chats, I posted the fact that, um, what's the name, both Asiasi and the other tight end? Um, Dalton Keene. Keene. Those are the ones that we drafted like two years ago or something like that? Yes, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, but drafted both of them in like the third round or something, so rel relatively early. And here we are now cutting both of them after signing two tight ends shortly after like the year after cutting them or what or what have you and shortly after i'm drafting them so i i was a little thrown off annoyed but not surprised felt like that was always coming especially after signing hunter henry and johnny smith so um it just made me even more firm in my belief not that i already wasn't right but i just i just have no faith in us drafting <laughs> no faith in us um, you mentioned Malcolm Butler. That is not too much of a surprise to me. I think he was brought back because of an immediate need, but I never thought that he was brought back to be like a mainstay um, for years to come as he was before. Um, Bill has a way of like moving around guys and bringing them back when we need to fill a gap, and that's kind of what he did with Butler in this second is for his second iteration, second stint at the at the team. So. Um, that didn't surprise me, and I, I, I have not exactly seen any names that that we've let go that um, that have me shocked. Just just the notion of the two tight ends that we drafted very early two years ago being cut just had me a little thrown off. But there's not much I can say because I I can't make can't make hell or high water out of this. Well, I mean, for me, is it was funny to see. Your, your post in the group today because as you said yeah these are two guys that you just brought in and they basically had a drink of water in the league and now they're looking for jobs you it was two years ago that you you drafted them and clearly they didn't show enough in that season which is why you decided that you're going to spend the money that you did bringing in two tight ends last season and now both of those tight ends that you drafted are now gone as well as one of the tight ends that you brought in as well i i think one of them is no longer there i am not quite sure i'm because john o. smith and hunter henry mm -hmm. i'm not sure where john o. smith is right now no you he's still there to, oh he's still there okay so he's both there, of, yeah so both of the tight ends the two expensive tight ends that you yeah. wanted last season are still there. They're still there. So at least you guys you know you pick up um, free agents relatively decently. It's just the drafting thing that 
doesn't seem to to work out so man. well. Yeah, that is a shame. Now, when I looked at the just the other names that were released today, Alex Leatherwood and OJ Howard were the ones that stuck out to me the most. Leatherwood, you I don't remember I don't know if you remember this from when he was drafted, but almost every pundit who was speaking and reporting on the draft described Leatherwood as a huge reach in the first round. Nobody mm. believed that Alex Leatherwood should have been a first round pick. Leatherwood had $14 million guaranteed at signing on mm. his contract. And the Raiders are like, it's better he be cashing these checks at home <laughs> than be in our building. They tried to trade him to everybody and everybody said no. Mm. Ian Rappaport reported that they got 32 no's, which means even they themselves said no. <laughs> wow. Now, OJ Howard, like I said, he was wow. the other one that surprised me because he was supposed to be the new big name tight end acquisition for yeah. the Bills. Yeah, I, I, that, I, I'm sorry not to cut you, but that was is the one I think that surprised me the most because I... I guess I wasn't following it as intently, but I did not even realize that he was on that, like trying to make the Bills roster. I didn't realize that that's where he had wound up. So to, to see that he had gotten cut from, firstly, it was like, he was at the Bills, and then it was like, oh, damn, <laughs> but he get cut, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but sorry, continue. Yeah, but the, the, what makes it even more surprising is that he had a two-year contract, though. They gave him a two-year contract. It was worth $3,500,000 in total. But $3,195,000 of that money was guaranteed at signing. Mm -hmm. And they, too, were comfortable saying, okay, well, you know, you can just take this money, but you are not going to be part of our organization. You're not going to be part of what we're actually trying to do here. And they were just willing to just let him go. So that was to me was also a little bit of a surprise. But I think Leatherwood was the greater surprise. Mm -hmm. He knew that he was not very good because apparently even in the preseason he gave up four sacks in in preseason. So no, that 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 doesn't yeah. spell well for your longevity anywhere. This man came from Alabama. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So just last week, we were discussing these joint practices and these fights. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you saw the video that this week we had perennial pro bowler, surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, Aaron Donald, standing up like Kratos with two Bengals helmets for chain blades, swinging at all and sundry like he's in his own action movie and wading through the bad guys. Now this is an extremely bad look, especially when first off we are talking about all these fights that they're having in preseason. That I have been on record where that is concerned. And then when was Garrett, who also did something similar to Mason Rudolph in a live game and got an indefinite suspension. Now, the league office has come out and said that they don't legislate what happens in practice sessions, so they can take no action 
And the Rams said that they will handle the disciplinary review internally, which means we won't know if any punishment is levied at all. So, do you think that AD should be suspended? And secondly, does this in any way change your view of these joint practice sessions? Let me answer, let me answer the second question first. It, it most certainly does not. It doesn't change my view because that was just a violent, it was just a violent and aggressive act by AD. I, I think that could happen in any situation. He just needs to do better, the, the, the way I see it. Um, and it's not the first time he's basically like reached out for someone's helmet when getting into an altercation or some sort of fisticuffs or something like that, right? You pull out men helmets and thing in games too. This is just to me, just AD being petulant. I don't know what happened in, in the situation. I don't know the backstory behind it. Don't know what would cause him to want to, to behave in that manner, but still, I put this down to AD, not the joint practices. I'm not going to blame this on the joint practice because that was he went over and beyond in his in 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 how he handled that situation, right? Um so I still still see no problem with the joint practices. Men just men just need to be better. Men just need to be better. If I think he should be suspended, yeah, I think he should actually. I think he should actually. Um, there is, there is, there's a vast difference between like just getting into a little scuffle with someone and pulling off helmets and then trying to intentionally hurt people with it. I, that is one. One is like first first degree, and one is premeditated. You know what I mean? So I. And not to compare it to murder, but just for the sake of for legality purposes, I'm just trying to say to me it's like apples and oranges there. And this was this was too much. This was too much. <sighs> Will the Rams suspend him? I do not know. I know he should at least be fined. But if 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 they will actually suspend him, I I don't know if they'll take that course of action. I mean, they should. Otherwise, I think it looks really bad. He, he deserves a, a, a game or two. I'm not going to say like three or four or anything like that. A game or two. But I think the onus is on the Rams to to set an example here. That was just, it's, it's just not, it's not something you do to pull off a helmet and try to beat someone with it. You you know specifically, specifically as a player that those things are, and when I say you, I mean Aaron Donald, of course, those things are used for your protection. So to turn around and use that as a weapon, like it's different from just getting in into a little, like, like I said, like a little fisticuffs with an opposing player or even your own teammate. But as there's there's a lot of, even though it might just be a snap reaction, there's a lot of premeditation in that. It, if if you would so easily do that, it means you were probably uh, accustomed with having that sort of reaction, and it means you need to face some sort of consequence for doing it. So. Yes, I think he should be banned and fined. No, I still don't have a, a problem with joint practice sessions. All right, so like you, I'm going to I'm going to start at number two, and then I'm going to work my way back to number one. Right, so I still believe that these joint practice sessions they need to go. They need to go because if we are talking about Aaron Donald getting upset at practice and looking to damage somebody. If that is his teammate, 
he's probably not looking to rip off helmets and crack skulls. That's more than likely not going to happen because you're wearing the same uniform I am. And when we get on the field in two weeks, you need to be in your position to make the plays that you will be needed to make because chances are it's a lineman or a back that is doing it's not going after the quarterback he's not going after a wide receiver with helmets in hand he is going after somebody that is mostly lined up against him which means that this is most likely the starting lineman for his team who is not maybe not as important but it's important to their team and the success of the team he is not going to be trying to crack heads like he was trying to do in this instance so from that perspective is why i would say now nah, let's cut this out because clearly the level of care that is to be given to the opponents in these unscripted practice sessions that the league is not going to do anything about then we can do pretty much whatever we want that's mm. i'm sure that that's not the aim to number two sorry back to number one which is should he be suspended or should he be fined? Yes, of course he should be suspended or fined. And this is not something that should be handled by the Rams alone. Because Aaron Donald is a key component on the Rams. So the Rams are going to do something we would expect. But if they choose to do nothing... There's nothing that we can do about it. And we will never know because they said that, you know, it's internal discipline and no team comes out and says, well, yeah, we suspend, no, like we put him in street clothes. If we see him in street clothes, we'd figure that he was suspended. Mm-hmm. But as long as he suited up for a game, they could, they could find him half his season salary, AJ. And we would not know. But compare what happened in this instance to what happened with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Musgard pulled off Mason Rudolph's helmet and hit him with it once. He had the helmet in his hand. He swung once. Aaron Donald had two helmets in his hands and was, and was swinging. And you could hear in the video helmet in hand cracking on helmet on somebody's head. And he's still swinging. What he did is far and above worse what, than what Musgard um, did, who his suspension turned out to be six games. Because he was suspended for the rest of that season and then he was reinstated over the offseason. He should be looking at least at six games, if not half the season, for being as violent as he was. But that's, that's just the way I see it. Because you can't be doing those kinds of things. You, you just can't. And the league, this should be telling them, well, hey, maybe this is a loophole that we need to close. Because when something like this happens in joint practices, and this, let's say somebody's head actually got you know, cracked open, they had a fractured skull, they'd be done for the season. And their team would have to still consider their payment, their salary on their salary cap when Aaron Donald was the one that injured this individual on purpose because he swung at that person and hit them in the head with a helmet. That's not good enough. So something, something needs to be done to close that loop for me. That's that's just the the way I see it. All right. So enough of Aaron Donald and and cracking heads with helmets. We're gonna s- switch sports now, AJ, 
and we're going to talk about the guy that you said is who you represent in basketball matters. You don't talk about his things outside of the court, and this now is relating to the court. Net zero. This was a summer that was very different to more summers that we've had with Kevin Durant, your guy, coming out publicly and saying that he wanted to move on from the Brooklyn Nets. And the Nets coming right out and saying that, yeah, you could move for the right price. Kyrie Irving has opted into his player option, but he was out there batting eyelashes at the Los Angeles Lakers, who were the only team that publicly said they'd be interested in bringing him in. KD then seemed to have pushed all his chips to the center of the table, saying that he would consider staying if the Nets got rid of both head coach Steve Nash and the general manager Sean Marks, which the ownership group categorically refused. At the end of it all, KD and Kyrie have agreed to continue with the Nets. The leadership group is still intact. It feels like much ado about nothing. So what are we expecting from KD and the Nets this year? Expecting? I still don't know what they intend to do about the rest of that roster. From, from, from the time the saga began, right? I, I was saying the same thing. My thoughts were that, like, I could understand why KD wants to leave. I actually could understand why he wants to leave. But the reality is that he had no leverage. He just signed a multi-million dollar deal, um, an extension with the Nets. That lasted him like till like 2026, 20, which is when he'll be an unrestricted free agent. I, I, I'm, I'm not doubting that part of his frustration was the coaching. Well, clearly, because if, if the reports are true and he wanted a head coach and GM gone, then it was the coaching and the inability to put a team around them. They, they brought in James Harden for reasons that we can only speculate but don't know for sure. Harden asked, asked to be traded from that situation. All right, so no more Harden. Then you have a disgruntled Kyrie as well because of the whole vaccination issue. I think it was a lot going on. And like I said, I understand why he wanted to, to get out. With regards to just speaking about the, the on-court issues, um, they have not done a good job of, of building a team around him, as, as is the case with like, even, even the Lakers. Like, they just try to put some mediocre pieces surrounding Kyrie and KD and, and just hope that that will work out. I mean, what we're expecting this year, with, with not having to deal with if Kyrie does not have to deal with that situation, uh, same one that he did last season, regard to vaccination and whatnot, I, the, there's a, a greater possibility that this team gels. I still don't see them at this point winning the East because I can't. I, I I don't have faith in the front office to put any to put any pieces around around these guys. Not enough. I I don't have faith in them. So. I think as far as far as they go with this talent, it's probably like I'd give them Eastern Conference Finals at best. At best, because they may they may be, just just the fact that that Katie and Kyrie will have more of the season to play together. I believe may like during the season have a good enough record to to get into like a top four spot. 
um, good enough pieces around. But in terms of like winning the East with the way that the teams in the East have been playing in recent years, um, yeah, I can't see it. I just can't see the Nets being the alpha dogs of the East once again. Okay. So we have some comments here in the chat. Um, Omar Clark, when, in relation to what we expect of, <laughs> of the, um, the Nets, he says nothing. And we have Mark Thompson, who says he expects more dysfunction. <sighs> well, for me, personally, I'm, I mean, we know what we're going to get from Kevin Durant whenever Kevin Durant steps on the court. He is going to come to work every day with his hard hat on and ready to put in work offensively, and he will give you honest effort defensively. We also know what we'll get with Kyrie when he comes to work. The operative word here is when. He will give you buckets. The X factor of this team is going to be Ben Simmons, as he is he has not yet played a game for them, but he is reportedly healthy. So if he is fit and he's ready to go, then there's no way that this talent ends up in the play-in tournament next season. I am predicting. You had your hot takes last week, so I'm giving one hot take. No, I mean, it may not be mm-hmm. that hot compared. But they should be, they will be in the top half of the Eastern Conference next year with KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. They may be third, they may be fourth, but I expect them to be up there with Miami, Boston, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. So somebody misses out, but I believe that the Nets are going to be round about the third or fourth seed next season. Yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why. Yeah. That's what I believe too. So somewhere in and in and about, but I just see them. My my ceiling for them is Eastern Conference Finals. That's it. That that top half spot in the in the Eastern Conference, and then Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. I'm not sure if they get that far, but I'll, that's, I'll that's, like I said, like I said, ceiling, ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have them. I have them at least being a top four team in the East. All right. So now, AJ, we have the season debut of "That's What He Said." Now, for those of you who are watching us either live or tape delayed, you will see that both of us are currently wearing our colors. We are not wearing the same colors, but it is for the same team. And that is the Arsenal Football Club out of North London. And we are going exactly there with that's what he said. Now, for those who are aware or those who are not aware, Arsenal played a game on Saturday where they secured a hard-fought win over Fulham at the Emirates Stadium on Saturday. Now, as has been the custom in the past, many pundits have been highly critical of the Arsenal players, staff and supporters for excessive celebration. Actually, they complain and they will bemuse the Arsenal team whenever they get a chance. But even when we win, there is something negative to say. People like Graham Suness. And Simon Jordan had all negative comments because of the opposition. Arsenal are supposed to beat Fulham and 
act like that was to be expected. Richard Keyes, the BN Sport anchor, said, To put it into context, I understand Arsenal fans celebrating in the manner that they did. I felt that the coach and his players over-celebrated a 2-1 win against Fulham. I think this sort of reaction to what happened yesterday from Arteta and Cole tells me how far they've fallen. Cue a response from the Arsenal goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale. Any game in the Premier League is tough to win, he said. It doesn't matter what people say about celebrating. We're going to celebrate how we want to every Premier League win we get. So that's what he said. AJ, what do you say about what he said? What Ramsdale? He's gosh darn right. He is right. I am here for it. Listen, all these reactions from all these pundits about our celebrations, they're so stupid. They're stupid. Listen, let me go back to a year ago, right? Last year, we were the youngest team in the league. After the first three games, it was a loss to newly promoted Brentford when we had no strikers due to COVID. No, yeah, no first-team strikers. We had to start the game with Fularen. Next, next two games, we lost to Chelsea and City, the reigning European and English Premier League champions, respectively, at that point, right? All the talk, and you mentioned this just a while ago, all the talk was about, it was negative. It was about the money that we spent and Arteta not being the right man for the job. And I'll admit, I was on the Arteta out train at that point because I could not see what direction we were really heading. Right? Now, fast forward to a year. This year. At this point, we're the only perfect team in the league consisting of the most dominant team in the country in Man City and two of the last four Champions League winners in Chelsea and Liverpool, right? Even they have not started the season with four out of four wins. You know, you know, Ken, that we still have the youngest team in the Premier League, right? The average age of the team is 24.6. For the youngest team in the Premier League to have such a start, if these youngsters want to celebrate every single win like this, and, and as the adage goes, party like it's 1999, I am all for it. I'm here for it. I don't give two craps what any of these... <laughs> the turnaround that the club has made, the turnaround that the club has made is worth celebrating. That, that in itself is worth celebrating, right? Because you can see that, that the squad is very much together as a unit. Um, the, way, the manner in which we're playing games, uh, winning games, the, the comeback against Fulham, and, and granted, we're supposed to beat Fulham, but, but I'm pretty sure as a newly promoted team, everyone was supposed to beat Fulham. But the only team that has beaten Fulham this season is Arsenal. The only team that has beaten them. Other than that, they are, they are two wins, two draws. Only lost to Arsenal. It's so stupid, right? <laughs> Look, it's just, just, just seeing that the, the kind of domination, the character, the method that this young team is showing at this point. It, listen, celebrate every minute. I don't care. If you need to celebrate like you want something, if, if it builds morale for the next game, by all, by all means. I, I, I could care less what all these curmudgeonly, dyspeptic, attention-seeking analysts have to say. To them, I would respectfully say, though, just let people enjoy things. 
Now, I have, I have been thinking about how I would respond on this topic. And we have been a family-friendly show all the way through. And that is not about to change. But, you see these pundits, I respect everyone for having an opinion. And if you have a microphone in front of you, as they do and we do, you can give your you can give your opinion to whoever is willing to listen. However, when you are going to start trying to legislate how somebody is supposed to feel, act, or react in a situation that maybe you yourself have been in, I wonder what your experiences have been like. And in a way, AJ, I kind of blame I kind of blame our club. I kind of blame Arsenal because we don't have anybody representing us on these shows. You have Graham Souness, who never has a good word to say about anything or anybody not in Liverpool. Out there talking drivel almost every time he sits down in front of a microphone. I don't know who any of these others heal for. But clearly it's not our club. To be fair, right? I will be fair. Sorry to interject you here. But um, <laughs> Darren Bent is actually an Arsenal fan. And then you need to check out Laura Woods as well. She's on. They're both on, on Talk Sport. They both had responses. Well, I know Laura Woods did. And hers was epic to Keys and all the foolishness that they were saying. But you should check them out. You should check them out. No, but what I'm saying, I, I know I did see briefly that Woods was like, well, really and truly, just, you know, just back up all of us, though, because we can celebrate if we want to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And I know Ben, it's interesting that, you know, like, when you look at who Ben has played for, he he is a former Spurs player, you know, but he's an Arsenal fan. I, re I respect, I respect anybody who is willing to stand up on behalf of Arsenal against the rest of the media because the media never has much good to say unless we are winning about Arsenal. And even when we're winning, they will find something to nitpick about. So I'm looking at Sunes, who never has anything good to say. He, he probably has decided that he's going to pick on Arsenal now because Paul Pogba has gone back to Italy because regardless of good or bad for Manchester United, it was always Pogba's fault. So now Arteta is over-celebrating, but that's not your business though. So how about you decide what is happening over in Liverpool and you talk about that because... Clearly, that's the only thing that you seem to care anything about. And then, like, um, what's his name? Let me go back to my note here. Um, the guy from being Richard Keys. I was like, are you serious? Are, are you kidding me? You are going to come out so heavily against the team just because the guys are happy that they won? I think these guys just need to have a little bit more happiness in their life, AJ. Honestly, because some of them just sound a little bit too miserable, in my opinion. And I would love to sit down opposite them and talk about these things. But, you know, we are still small fish, and they are big fish. So, we will allow them to continue to say what they say, and if 
it warrants a response, then we will don our colors again and we will haul it right back here again and deal with it. That's done right. All right. So enough of them and that foolishness. Over to who do you trust? And this week, we are getting you ready still for the NFL season. So we are taking a tour of your conference, no AJ, mm -hmm. the AFC. Today, we confirm if we trust the division winners to repeat or if we trust somebody else to come for the crown. So first, AJ, we're going home at you. We're going to your division, the AFC East, where for the past two years, the Buffalo Bills have ended the stranglehold that the evil empire and Sith Lord Belichick had on the division, dominating it for over a decade straight. Do you trust any of the chasing pack to overtake the Bills for the division title? Hell no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, 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 I wish I could be blindly optimistic, but that's not how I operate. Um, having, having a very good coach and QB combination is, is, is a key factor, right? Over in Miami, the head coach is new, and the jury's still out on the QB. Um, but they have surrounded the quarterback with, with some great weapons, in, his, in, in all fairness. New England has a coach, but still, again, we don't know what the quarterback is. And he definitely don't have the same level of weapons. <laughs> <laughs> and the Jets, I mean, the Jets are the Jets. I'll be fair to the Jets. I feel like they have been making some good moves, especially in the draft. They've been trying to bring in some weapons. But then now Zach Wilson is injured. So that is going to peg them back just a little bit. So just due to the utter lack of, of competition and just a lack of cohesion in other offenses solely, like not even talking about the other defenses, and the Bills just having the best all-around team in the division, I can't look past the bills for this is their division once again okay well that is very magnanimous of you sir because you know i was not nearly so magnanimous last week there's no <laughs> way that i would get on these people's recording and say that i am picking the Tampa Bay buccaneers to beat my saints for division crown never ever not in a million years i'm sorry i am just not i am not so nice however with regards to this particular division, as you said, the Bills still have the best quarterback. They have a strong stable of wide receivers and an elite defense. Unlike some other teams, they draft pretty well. And they have far more hits than misses in free agency. Of course, we did speak about O.J. Howard a little earlier on. Mm -hmm. Now, I still see the Bills as a team to beat in the AFC East. The Dolphins of the remaining teams in the division have improved the most with Tyree Hill coming in at wide receiver. But as you said, we still don't quite know what they have in Tua. So with Tua as quarterback, they may or may not improve. We don't know. But the Patriots for sure have not done enough to support Matt Jones at this time. And as you said, I had it written here in my notes, the Jets are still the Jets. So, so yeah, so that, that is the East. Now, we're going to go from the East and we're going to head to the West. 
sorry, not to the west. We're going to head to the south. And that is the division with the Tennessee Titans. Now, like the Bills in the east, the Titans have been division champions for the last two seasons, albeit falling in their first playoff games both times. The Houston Texans are destined to be the cellar dwellers this season, and the Jaguars have a new coaching staff, but have picked first in the draft two seasons in a row. So it's a straight shootout between Tennessee and Indianapolis for the division lead. But the question is, do you trust any of these teams over the Titans? Well, like you said, you kind of narrowed it down to it being a two-horse race, which we already know. But I'll shock you here a little bit. I'm actually convinced more by the Colts than I am by the Titans right now. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think last season, Indy barely missed out on the playoffs. And I would put, a, not, not, while not solely, I would put a huge chunk of that down to the fact that they were playing with Carson Wentz. Um, there were games that they probably should have won with better quarterback play. But again, Carson Wentz. Um, and say what you want about Matty Ice, but the man is better than Wentz. He's more accurate than Wentz. And just bringing him in and letting Wentz rule, is, it, it made their offense better already, just, just, by, um, just on, on paper, right? Um, they all added Stephon Gilmore. Uh, while he may not be the same um, type of lockdown corner after coming off of that injury, he is still more than serviceable. I think that's a good addition for the defense. I was already very good. Um, they have very good weapons on weapons on offense, which will complement Matty Ice very well. I just think that the Colts made better off-season moves, and they have, I would say, narrowed the gap. But I'm actually picking them to win this division, so I'm saying that they have done enough at this point to overtake, even if even if narrowly. I I feel like they've done enough to win this division. Okay, that is interesting. Now, I also believe that the Colts have definitely upgraded at quarterback. Because, as I told you, I think I mentioned it last week, that with Matt Ryan going over to um, to Indy, I can now be complimentary of him. Because I was never going to be complimentary of him while he was in Atlanta. Ah, yes, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, of course. So now that he now that he's over in in um, Indianapolis, I do admit that Matt Ryan is still a pretty good quarterback. Will I say that he's elite? Maybe not. Will I say that he's now the best quarterback in that division? It is a worthy discussion because he is on the decline. But if he was still in his prime, he is better than Tannehill. That that is for mm-hmm. sure, and that is even coming from me, who has been the Tannehill apologist on this panel. But when I look at the the Titans depth chart, it does give me some um, cause for pause, because all right, the starting running back again is Derrick Henry, but this is no two years in a row that he's been nicked up. So running in the way that he does the style of player that he is, he is not one that shies away from contact and he's getting older. These hits do tend to add up over time. So as a result, 
I'm a little concerned about his longevity. Is he going to be able to hold up over the 17 games in the season? Then when you look at their wide receiver room, it looks very shallow. Now, they lost A.J. Brown in um, Canvasser free agency because they traded him away to the Philadelphia Eagles. They let Julio Jones walk, but Julio never gave them what they were expecting from Julio. So, no, we're looking at Robert Woods, who is now coming back from an ACL. And then there's Traylon Burks, Nick Westbrook Ikini, who not a bad player. And then their their reserves are Kyle Phillips and Racy McMath. I do not know either of those guys. And I'm, I'm not saying that to disparage them in any way. I just generally don't know them. So when I take all that into consideration, it is hard for me to trust the Titans to win the division. However, I'd like to think that pedigree matters for some things. And they have shown themselves to be able to pull things out, even when circumstances and situations are not ideal. So I'm still going to go with Tennessee to win the division this season. All right, so now we move from the West and we're going now to the North. Rumble in the jungle. Now, in the AFC North, the team I thought last year was a year away went all the way to the Super Bowl. The Bengals now, as far as I'm concerned, have the second toughest division in football. Matched up with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, the Deshaun suspended Browns for the first 12 weeks of the season and the rebuilding, but always competitive Steelers. Now, do you trust Cincy to repeat as division champs? No, I do not. Hmm. I don't. I, I believe that the Bengals were able to capitalize on a very fortuitous situation last year. Um... All of the other teams in their division were going through a lot. I'll touch on that, but just, just to skim the surface. So we know the Ravens had injury upon injury at almost every major, every key position of that team, offense and defense. Uh, Big Ben was absolutely atrocious last year, <laughs> uh, among other things. And then um, with, with the Browns, well, my guy Baker was, he wasn't very good, but ended up finding out like he was playing on an injury. So the Bengals, as, as I think we all thought that they were like a year away from being that competitive, but they were able to capitalize. I think that's what it is. I, I'm not going to predict injuries. So I'm going to say that this season, the prediction I had last year, I'm going to carry forward. The Ravens are going to win this division. The fact that they lost the entire running back room before the start of the regular season. And then, like I mentioned, they had some other notable injuries. And like, the thing is, even after week 12, they were eight and three and leading the division. And that game, and then they lost in week, they lost week, uh, I was sorry, eight and three, 11, sorry. Yeah, but they had to buy it, right? Either way, so they lost and went eight and four with Lamar. That was a game when they could have gone for the title, bring it to overtime, and then instead of, Taking a field goal, kicking a field goal, the the field goal, the extra point. They went for two, right? Didn't work out, they lost. 
Lamar got injured after that game, and then they lost every game for the remainder of the season. I, I mentioned previously that having uh, a good a combination of, of uh, a great or very good or great head coach and quarterback is essential. And I maintain that. And the Ravens have that in addition to the fact that this squad is very well built. Again, I'm not going to, to, to call on injuries or, you know. So obviously, with all external factors remaining constant, um, I'm going to say the Ravens. I'm going to say that the Ravens win this division. I think that they know what they're about. And yeah, the, the Steelers are in a, in, in a position where I don't even know if, if Mikey T knows who his starting quarterback is going to be at this point. They're in the QB conundrum. The Bengals, as I said, they were they, they capitalized on, on a situation and made the best of it. Um, I still think they could be a playoff team this year because they worked on, on that offensive line. Uh, but I, 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 I don't have that much faith in them to repeat. And then the Browns, <laughs> well, they don't have Deshaun for most of the season. So this season might be a throwaway for them because they ain't winning no division with Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs. <laughs> and so I, I had in my notes Josh Rosen's name, but that was since yesterday. So <laughs> this, this, fella, this guy. Uh, even, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll say what I had in my notes. That they're not winning the division with Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs, or Josh Rosen, even if they played all three of them at the same time. Okay. No problem. So when I look at this division... I felt last year that the Bengals were a year away. That year has passed and they far exceeded my expectations. The only thing that makes me pause or gives me cause for concern is, you know, the losing Super Bowl hangover. Because in a lot of cases, teams that have gone into the big dance and lost the game, they tend not to get back there in short order. Um, teams that come to mind are like the Falcons who are up 28 to 3 and now are probably going to pick second or third maybe in the next draft so when I look at Cincinnati that is for me is the only thing that makes me a little bit concerned so you're talking about coach and quarterback and I think it kind of nets off between them and Baltimore because Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow versus Harbaugh and Lamar. It's kind of a wash, kind of a wash, really and truly. So when you look at those two. But when you let know at the wide receiver room, they still have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd as their starters with Hayden Harris as the tight end. They, to me, have a better wide receiver room. They still have Joe Mixon who overperforms every year at running back. So from that perspective, I think that since he still has enough to repeat, Baltimore healthy is going to be competitive. The Browns are not going to be in the running, not for the first 12 weeks. And then they will have to figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to be when they insert um, Deshaun back into the lineup. And Pittsburgh, unfortunately for Tomlin, I think this is probably going to be his first losing season as head coach. All right, now lastly, we're going over to the gauntlet, what I consider to be the toughest division in football, and I know that lots of the pundits have been 
who are you know, talking about this stuff, they agree with me. The AFC West. For any team to emerge from this division, they have to run the gauntlet like what being put Batman through. Hoping to escape with their back uh, broken and going for the Lombardi at the Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, who do you trust to run the gauntlet and win the West? Uh, well, this one should be more of a head-scratcher than it actually was, but in the same vein of, of the mantra that I've been pushing, head coach quarterback duo. Uh, this is a Chiefs division to lose, I believe. Uh, last year, I predicted them to win, and even when they started off struggling, I maintained that their experience was going to carry them through. The experience of having won the division previously, obviously won Super Bowls and whatnot, is it is is it is kind of hard to to count them out ever, like ever. Um, and the same thing I said last year, I'm going to say again. Like, someone is going to have to oust the Chiefs from the top of that division for me to change my prediction of them winning. So until they lose the, the AFC West, they will always be my prediction to be the AFC West winners. Okay, I don't fair. care how strong the division has gotten. I think that they just have... They, they have what is needed. Okay, fair enough. No, I mean... I also picked the Chiefs last year to win the division. But this year, the Broncos have gotten so much better, though. Like, yeah, they got a new, they have a new coaching regime, but they have what I consider, who I consider to be the second best quarterback in the division. And they still have a very good wide receiver room. They still have a pretty good tight end, and they still have a very good defense. So I would I would really like to to say that the Broncos I can't say my Broncos because they're not really my Broncos I just I just live here, but I would like to think that the Broncos are going to be game, but the Chargers have also gotten better. When we're looking at these divisions and we're trying to figure out like which division is the roughest, most divisions have like two really good teams. Some divisions may have three good teams, and then the fourth team is kind of just like a throwaway. The, the fourth team in this division are the Raiders who made the playoffs last season. So when you take that into consideration, it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough, this division. It is. It is. This, this is going to be pay-per-view all season long. I, I honestly can't wait. And I'm really hoping that I can get to at least one game this season before the weather gets too cold. But we'll see. We shall it's see. A, if, if, I mean, and this is... This is division that this is the division that I definitely have to keep my eye on all year, because it now is the home of my favorite wide receiver and my favorite young quarterback, right? Uh, but in picking with my head, I still can't pick either <laughs> of their teams to win the division. But I wouldn't be upset if either of them did. More, more so if it was my quarterback. Okay. In Justin Herbert, that is. No problem. And for those who don't know, the receiver I'm referring to is Devontae Adams. Yes. Yeah, we, we know well how you feel about Mr. Adams. All right, AJ, so now to bring us to an end today, we're going to have the final thought. It is my turn. And we're not going to I'm not going to spend too long on this one today. I called it chopping block because just as we open the show, we're going to close. Today being the cut down day for the NFL. 
So I just wanted to give the viewers some numbers that have put some things into perspective. In the United States of America, there are 1,093,234 high school football players in the U.S. Of that 1,093,000, only 6.5% of these children, of these high school players, to give you a specific number, 71,060 will play for the NCAA in college. The drop-off from college to the professional level is more dramatic. Only 1.6% of college-level players will get drafted into the NFL. In short, roughly 853 players out of 1,093,234 high school football players make it to the pros every year. To put that into perspective, that is about the odds of getting struck by lightning at some point in your lifetime. Now today, 32 teams had to reduce their rosters from 80 to 53 players, which means 864 players potentially lost their jobs today. Now each team will carry a practice squad of 16 players, which means that 512 players will have a route back into the NFL, provided that they are picked up by somebody's practice squad. Now we gave some names that were surprises and others that are really going to have to look for a job. And especially when we're talking about like running backs, older running backs are the ones that are going to be most at risk of not finding another job in the NFL. So, as we go every week, and we watch the games either in person or we watch them on television, let us, while we're celebrating those whose names we wear on our backs, those whose names we recognize and we see and we are cheering for every week, let's spare a thought to for the other thousands of players out there whose dreams were that they were going to make it to the NFL and probably didn't want to do anything else for their entire lives and will not get that opportunity because unfortunately somebody decided that they were not quite good enough. That's all. Wow. That was sombering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Duly, duly noted though. Yeah, last week you gave us your hot takes. I just wanted to, you know, give a little perspective on behalf of these players that don't make it. You know, that we, we could remember them too. So, now just before we get out of here, that today was the Green Beach Podcast. Tomorrow we are back with the um, fantasy spot to help get you ready for the fantasy season. We are looking forward to having you with us then. And um, with just one last comment that came through in the chat, um, Omar, he agreed that the Ravens are not, well, that the Ravens are going to win the division. So we'll see. We'll see who's right and who's wrong. AJ brings back that he was right and who, who was wrong. We'll see how that one goes. So we'll see you tomorrow for the fantasy spot. 
the Green Bears podcast is your late night viewing for the NFL season. So hit that bell, subscribe, and make sure that you know whenever we'll be on. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.